it's good to be together today to worship. It is Trinity Sunday, though I'm not particularly focusing on that. I've done that a number of times, and I just thought, nah, not going there today. As our call to worship, we're going to use um, a selection of verses from Psalm 136, and we're going to read it responsively. Those who are familiar with Psalm 136 will know that the middle section is very troublesome. It talks about thanking God for beating up our enemies and stuff like that. And I don't think that's helpful. So we're doing the nice bit at the beginning and and the last verse. So basically, I'll read the words that appear in yellow on the screen. And if you could join in with the, the response, God's love never fails. Praise the Lord. He is good. Praise the God of all gods. God's love never fails. Praise the Lord of lords. God's love never fails. Only God works great miracles. God's love never fails. With wisdom, He made the sky. God's love never fails. The Lord stretched the earth over the ocean. God's love never fails. He made the bright lights in the sky. God's love never fails. He let the sun rule the day. God's love never fails. He lets the moon and the stars rule each night. God's love never fails. Praise God in heaven. God's love never fails. We're going to sing our first hymn, Come Down, O Love Divine, Fill Now This Soul of Mine. And we're singing it in the traditional words with these and nows, because that just seems quite appropriate.
Our prayers of approach this morning come from a resource called Fire and Bread, and I'm using a prayer for Trinity Sunday. After I have led us in prayer, we join together in the Lord's Prayer, using the language and form of words which for us is the most natural. But if you're not quite sure of the words, there will be some on the screen. So let us pray together. In the mystery of the beginning of things, creator God, you made this planet, rock upon layer of rock, to be weathered and planted, to become a place for living. In the mystery of human life, parent God, you made us, flesh and blood and spirit and bone, Image of yourself, woman, man, and child, for loving. In the mystery of your unconditional love, Redeemer God, you came in Jesus, flesh of our flesh, bone of our bone, to buy us back from our captivity back to our true belonging together daughters and sons of heaven living and loving here on earth so here in this sacred place place of celebration of struggle and of safety we rest content all cautious, to know your presence, hear your word, sense your spirit, welcoming us and waiting once again. And if in the quiet there come to mind the broken or the wounded bits of our lives and of our world, Help us to name some of them now. And as you have shared our deepest sufferings, so may the glue of your transforming grace be for us and for our world amending once again. And if in this place it will come to pass once again, or perhaps for the very first time, that your spirit will touch ours, then, in your mercy, turn us to face you, in ourselves, our world, our neighbour, and send us out from here, your companions on the way. We pray this in the name of Jesus, who taught his followers to, to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen.
This is something we've seen a lot of on um, televisions in the last few weeks. Uh, does anybody know what it is? Can anybody tell me what that, that sign made with hands means? Carl. Love. love. Yep, that's right. It's a love heart <coughs> made with hands. And it's been something we've seen a lot of um, on, on the television, uh, particularly in the last couple of weeks. And we're thinking a little bit about love today. And we're going to start with a pop quiz. And I used, got this off the web, and I have chosen something that was a UK number one in every decade from the 1950s to the current decade. So hopefully there will be something that everybody will have heard of, and undoubtedly some that we've all not heard of, either because we weren't born, and even I can say that, um, or because we're just so disengaged <laughs> from the pop music scene. So let's see what we've got. We're going to have missing, a missing words round. So why do fall in love? Fools. fools, yeah. Why do fools fall in love? Why do birds sing? Okay. Uh, the 60s, the Beatles can't find me love. The 70s, under the moon of love. Moon of love, yeah. Somebody, I think somebody said something else there, but that's all right. Um, Jennifer Rush and also Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Uh, the Power of Love. Yep. Meat Loaf for the 90s. I'd do anything. Very good. But I won't do I've always wanted to know what that was. I don't think it actually tells you. Leona Lewis in the noughties. Bleeding Love, yeah. She was one of the ones that won X Factor, I think. Yeah. And then Justin Bieber for the... Paul's got it. Love yourself. What does that tell us about Paul? I don't know. It's really fascinating that one of the most popular topics to write songs about is love. And I just wonder, what do we mean by love? Can any of the younger people give me a sense? If I said to you, what is love, what would you say? Something you can't buy. Very good, Carl. Yeah, that's what the Beatles were saying, isn't it? You can't buy it. And you're absolutely right. doesn't matter how much money you've got, how much money you spend, how many presents you buy for somebody, doesn't get your love. So, yep. Excluding Donald Trump. You think he can buy love, do you? Uh, no, but people only marry him because of... Oh, people marry him because of his money. Okay. Maybe. Okay. Right, thank you for that one. I, I, I suspect he's not the only person people have married for their money, but yep, money. But even so, it doesn't get you love, does it? It's not going to be the most loving marriage. Okay, other definitions of love, moving swiftly on. <laughs> Anybody else want to tell me something else that they think we mean by love? You can be a grown-up as well. It doesn't have to just be young people. It's hard, isn't it? It's really hard to define love. And that's kind of where we're going to be going a little bit this morning um, with the grown-ups anyway, is thinking about what, what love is and what love isn't. Um, but it's really hard. There are some wonderful videos you can get on the internet with children defining love. Unfortunately, I couldn't find one that would allow me to download it, which was really frustrating. Uh, but things like love is hugs. Love is when mummy and daddy are, are there for you. Love is fun. Love is tingly feelings inside, all sorts of great things that children say. Love is sharing. Love is all sorts. Um, I did find some pictures, so I'll just show you those. Who can remember the Love Is cartoons? Um, you probably didn't read the newspaper they were in, but you may have done. I had a look at a lot of these um, on the internet. I vaguely remember them, and I thought this one was good. Love is a necessity, not a luxury. Everybody needs love love is forever I think that's a good definition of love it's not just for when you feel like it it's forever this is one from a, a minion love is an unconditional commitment to an imperfect person to love someone isn't just a strong feeling it's a decision, a judgement a promise so love is more than just a feeling, 
Love is an attitude. Love is something we choose to do. Love is not about how much you say, I love you, but how much you can prove that it's true. I think you'd need to go away and unpack that one a bit, because how do you prove that it's true? But it's more than words, isn't it? Love is more than words. That one you can't read, but um, I'm not even going to try. But this is somebody, so you've got words like it's beautiful, it's irresistible, it's friendship, it's golden. Um, it's, I like the one at the top. It's that condition in which the happiness of another person is essential for your own. So it's not just about me, it's about I, I become happy because you're thriving. Um, that's one way of thinking about love. So all sorts of different ones. There's probably some very silly ones on there that I can't read at this distance. And I think Holly may have found some, and that's okay. She can tell me later. So love. And the great thing for us, of course, is that we talk about God as love and the God who loves us. And one of my favourite songs about that, one of my favourite children's songs, is one that has the line that God loves us when you're happy, God loves you when you're sad, God loves you when you're being good, and even if you're bad. There's something really important about the God who loves us no matter what. Even if you've had a rubbish day, you've fallen out with your friends, you've been shouted at by mummy or daddy, and it's just rubbish. You're still loved by God, and nothing can change that. Thanks, Paul. We listen for the word of God, first of all from Song of Songs at chapter 8. Close your heart to every love but mine. Hold no one in your arms but me. Love is as powerful as death. Passion is as strong as death itself. It bursts into flame. It burns like a raging fire. Water cannot put it out. No flood can drown it. But if anyone tried to buy love with wealth, contempt is all that they would get. And then in Corinthians. (laughs) 
I may be able to speak the languages of human beings and even of angels. But if I have no love, my speech is no more than a noisy gong or a clanging bell. I may have the gift of inspired preaching. I may have all knowledge and understand all secrets. I may have all the faith I need to move mountains. But if I have no love, I am nothing. I may give away everything I have and even give up my body to be burnt. But if I have no love, this does me no good. Love is patient and kind. It is not jealous or conceited or proud. Love is not ill-mannered or selfish or irritable. Love does not keep a record of wrongs. Love is not happy with evil, but is happy with the truth. Love never gives up. And its faith, hope and patience never fail. Love is eternal. There are inspired messages, but they are temporary. There are gifts of speaking in strange tongues, but they will cease. There is knowledge, but it will pass. For our gifts of knowledge and of inspired messages are only partial. But when what is perfect comes, then what is partial will disappear. When I was a child, my speech... Feelings and thinking were all those of a child. Now that I have grown up, I have no more use for childish ways. What we see now is like a dim image in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. What I know now is only partial. Then it will be complete, as complete as God's knowledge of me. Meanwhile, these three remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. This year for me is decidedly unusual. Um, during the course of 2017, I will be attending no less than seven weddings. Five of those are explicitly Christian and taking, places, taking place in churches. I don't know if I'm a little bit unusual, but whilst I enjoy the reception at weddings, it's always the service or ceremony that means the most to me. The privilege of sharing, whether as a celebrant, a witness or a guest, with two people who have chosen to make solemn vows one to the other, expressing their commitment to love each other for the rest of their lives, is one I cherish very deeply. 
when I'm asked to conduct a marriage service, a really important part of the preparation is inviting the couple to select the readings that they would like. And I usually ask them to choose a Bible reading and then something else of their own choice that is meaningful for them. Could be a poem, could be a passage from a book, but something that for them talks of their love. Marriage is, as some forms of the liturgy say, a solemn matter not to be entered into lightly. And a careful choice of scripture, poetry or prose allows the appropriate blend of solemnity and delight to be expressed and explored. The two readings we heard this morning are among those most frequently chosen for marriage services. Each poetic in form, hopeful in mood and enduring in meaning. The Song of Songs is an incredible exploration of human erotic love. When I was at school and you still had King James versions on the shelf, you could guarantee that the Bibles would fall open at that place (laughs) because the teenage boys had been reading it. Whereas the passage from 1 Corinthians is something that arose in a community, a faith community of Christians, that is at best described and most generously described as chaotic. So the significance and relevance of these words is not exclusively for marriage. It speaks into the messiness of everyday life of that community of faith. And I would argue, by a simple extrapolation, It applies to the followers of Jesus trying to live out their faith in a complex, confusing, disordered and hurting world. To love in the way that's described here is an essential part of being salt and light. I think it's probably fair to say that neither of the readings we've heard really needs an explanation. They are quite straightforward and we can all understand them. But this very simplicity actually can belie the challenge of practising the kind of love that's described. In both readings, we discover aspects of what love is and what love is not. And it's only as we can hold together the is and the is not that we begin to discover what it really means to speak about love. All of us are very familiar with the commands of Jesus to love God, to love our neighbour and to love ourselves. But I, at least, am not always particularly good at stopping to think, well, what does that really look like? And so with the absolute vaguest nod to Trinity Sunday, I've got a three in here, I'm going to invite us to try and keep in mind these three kinds of relationships as we listen to what else I'm going to share. Our relationship to God, our relationship to neighbours, and our relationship to ourselves. And of course, that can be heard either very individually about my relationship to God, my neighbours and myself, or collectively, as a community, about our relationship with God, our neighbours, and each other, ourselves. The mystery is that whatever the direction is that we're thinking about love, the same basic principles and practices apply. Just one more brief thought before we go on to look at the text a bit more closely. Um, with apologies to Jeff because I said this is his wedding service. Um, The English word love, which we use pretty much universally, whether we're talking about our lovers, our parents, our siblings, our friends, our pets, our favourite foods, our favourite pop music, is the same. Other languages have a lot more different words, and notably for our purposes, Greek has several different words that in English are translated as love. But maybe love is a useful summary word, recognising that there's different kinds of relationships that express something of love, but that none of them are complete and perfect expressions of it. 
As I've already said, the short extract we heard from the Song of Songs refers explicitly to erotic love based on the sexual attraction of two people. Such love is described as strong and fierce, like a burning flame, an all-consuming passion occupying the minds of those who share that attraction and drawing them together. But can that kind of imagery be applied to other kinds of love? A parent for their newborn child. People often speak of this incredible, overwhelming love that they feel for that child. Maybe at a push for your new car or your new home. The excitement of this, this newness that fills your mind. And certainly an individual who's recently come to faith in Christ, very often it's very overflowing, very effervescent. Is there something about newness and excitement that can fill our every waking moment? I think there can be. But there is more. There are differences that are subtle and significant that distinguish love from mere lust or simple novelty. That intensity of feeling may and most probably will diminish over time. But real love is resilient. It's described in that reading as unquenchable, undrownable. It reminds me of those words in the prologue to John's Gospel. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not understood it or overcome it. True love is like that light. It's more than a feeling. It's got a sense of robustness and resilience. It can withstand disappointment. It can cope with the inevitable effects of age or illness or loss or failure. Love we read and as the Beatles sang about and even if Carl thinks Donald Trump managed to do it is beyond price. You can't buy love and you can't sell love. You can't deserve love. You can't earn love. It can only be given. John 3.16, that most famous verse in the whole Bible. God so loved the world, or in the Greek, the cosmos, that he gave his only son. We couldn't earn it, we couldn't deserve it, we couldn't buy it. God gave it. Whether it's God love, God's love, love of a partner or a child, a friend or a neighbour, even the love of ourselves, it's the characteristics of what love is not that perhaps are really important. Real love cannot be destroyed by life's events. It cannot be acquired by any human means. It has to be free and unconditional. So if we ponder very briefly those three directions of love I mentioned, for God, for neighbour, for self, I wonder if there are any of those relationships that have become a bit skewed, either because we demand or because we deny that which can only be given freely. Are we selfish in our living? The extract from the letter to the church in Corinth is part of an extended text responding to a situation where worship had become chaotic and that people were displaying characteristics that were anything but loving. And we thought a bit about some of that last week in relation to order in worship and gifts of the, uh, attributed to the Holy Spirit. It's really interesting, I think, that a passage that was written to talk about behaviour in the Christian church and a form of love that in its day would have been regarded as the highest or purest form of love, that spiritual love or agape, agape, sometimes translated as charity. Really fascinating that that has become so popular for a wedding ceremony. But I think it's helpful for us as we consider how the new love, the exciting love or the erotic love 
can mature into a deeper, sustainable love. This was a congregation in a mess. But actually, you don't have to be in a mess for these thoughts to be worth considering. Immediately before this great hymn to love is a delightful image of the church as a body in which everybody matters. Everybody has a unique and vital function. And I think recognising that, that everybody is important and that we are all interdependent is essential as we think about love in community. So again, we've got clear distinctions between what love is and what love isn't. And if we look at what love isn't, I think we get a rather troubling picture of what the church at Corinth would have been like. And I suspect Sunday well, evenings it would have been for them, or very, very early mornings, because it was a work day for them, would have been pretty tense. People who were envious because other people had gifts they didn't, or were, had a greater social standing. People who were bragging about their gifts and their wealth and their abilities. People who were rude, who were impolite, who insulted people, who interrupted people, who ate all the food before the last people could arrive. People only interested in what was in, in it for them, interested in themselves. People who were bad-tempered and irritable. People with resentment, people with grudges who would rake over old coals, rehearsing their grievances and their hurts. Even, it would seem, people who delighted in the wrong, making mischief, criticising, slandering or backstabbing. Not a nice place to be then, First Church Corinth. None of these is consistent with love and that's kind of obvious. And yet, if I'm honest, and I suspect if we are honest, some of those negatives can creep into our relationships with ourselves and with those closest to us, within our faith community, in our relationship with our neighbours and the world, and into our relationship with God. It's really easy to hear that list and think, oh, that's, that relates to so-and-so. It doesn't relate to me. Well, actually, that kind of means we've messed up. But all of us sometimes will just fail because we're fallible. And I don't want us to beat ourselves up about that because here is good news. It tells us in Scripture, if we recognise our faults and failings, God, who is the source of love, will forgive us and restore us and will choose to remember no more those faults and failings. Love, according to Paul, is patient. In a world of instant communication, instant gratification, and almost instant reactions, it's not always easy to be patient. And I'm certainly not the most patient person on the planet. But love doesn't look for instant results. Love is there for the long haul. There's no time limit, no deadline that you can identify and says, right, it's, I'll love you if it's sorted by then. Love just hangs on in there, even if by its fingertips. Love is kind. In a world of assertion and aggression, looking after number one and devil take the hindmost, love makes a different choice. It carries with it a sense of gentleness, of vulnerability, a willingness to be hurt, of taking risks, risking rejection, giving without expecting to receive. And that's not easy, is it? So I wonder, again, as we think about these three directions of love, are we patient or impatient? Are we kind or unkind? Are there some changes, no matter how small, we need to consider? Paul also says that love rejoices in the truth. It's not content with insincerity, superficiality or fakeness. 
but it delights in authenticity and truthfulness. Love is about being real. Even when that means opening up about the struggles or sharing the challenging times. And real love, the authentic love, the truthful love, is the one that can achieve the four alls that the writer lists. In the translation I used when I was preparing it, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. It's certainly not the case that love is naive or stupid. Love is not a doormat willing to be walked all over. But rather, love chooses the positive, even when that's difficult, even in adversity or the face of ridicule or rejection. This unquenchableness of love that the Song of Songs refers to is what is suggested here. Love doesn't just accept the challenges and struggles of life. It chooses to embrace them. Not in a fatalistic way that says, well, I'll just have to get on with it. But in a way that's hopeful. Daring to continue to dream dreams. To believe that in the end, all will be well. And all will be well. And all manner of things will be well. Paul says, and we know this well, in the end, only three things matter. Only three things will survive. Faith and hope and love. And out of these three, the most important, the one that really matters is love. One of the risks of a sermon like this is it can be a little bit removed from real life. It can be a bit glib about something that is actually very challenging. Because the reality is, in our homes, there will be squabbles and fallouts, arguments and tantrums. And if any of you is anything like me, we can be cruelest to those closest to us. We also look around us at a world torn apart by bitterness, envy, intolerance, violence, hate, greed, arrogance, and we can feel utterly powerless. We read or hear news stories that appall us and result in righteous indignation and a desire for change. So how can we love in the way I've described? How can we be resilient and determined, full of hope, kind to all, seeing, choosing the best, sorry, seeing the best and choosing peace. There aren't any easy answers and sometimes I think there are no answers at all. I just think we have to do our best to cling on to that conviction that goodness is stronger than evil, that love is stronger than hate, that life is stronger than death. To close, I'm going to read the core of that great hymn to love in the message paraphrase. And as I do so, I'd like to invite us to try to keep in mind this question. In my relationship with God, with others, and with myself, what promise is offered here? And what challenge is heard? Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. Doesn't have a swelled head doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle, 
doesn't keep score of the sins of others, doesn't revel when others grovel, takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, puts up with anything, trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, keeps going to the end. Love is the touch of intangible joy. Come to God with our prayers for others. Let us pray together. (coughs) Triune God, divinity in community, we have reached the point in our worship together where we respond to your love for us with our prayers for others. And it's a hard task trying to avoid bland, banal generalities on the one hand and praying in our own opinions or desires on the other. In a week that has once again been full of highly charged news reporting and at the end of which we are left with more questions than answers, it is difficult to know what or how to pray. On such occasions, we gladly remind ourselves of the promise of Scripture that Jesus is our great high priest who forever intercedes on our behalf and that when words fail, the Spirit intercedes for us with groans to articulate the inexpressible. This week as those killed during events in Manchester and London are named and laid to rest. 
and many of those who are injured begin to be discharged from hospital. We give thanks for the work of the emergency services and NHS staff. We are also aware that in this week alone, there have been similar events in Australia, France, Afghanistan, Iran, Iraq, Pakistan, Somalia, Nigeria, Kenya, South Sudan and Turkey most of which have not and will not reach our news media. Too many to name, too complex to understand. What shall we pray? For peace? For healing? For reconciliation, perhaps? Words fail us. Ideas fall short. Jesus, Son of God, victim of human violence, please intercede for us and for all affected by violence and hatred. This week, we have had a general election for the Westminster Parliament and we give thanks for the freedoms granted to us by the democratic process and for all those who have worked to count and to recount votes. Whatever our own political views and however we feel about the result, we recognise the enormity of tasks entrusted to these men and women as they take up office. Scripture reminds us that we should pray for those in authority, something that can be difficult at the best of times and near impossible when disappointment, confusion and fear fill our hearts. What then shall we pray? For wisdom, for justice, for compassion. Words fail, ideas fall short. Spirit, wisdom of God, hovering over chaos since the dawn of time, please intercede for us and for all in positions of authority local, national and international. This week, the complexity and diversity of everyday life has continued. The mundane daily routines, punctuated perhaps by moments of intense pleasure or equally intense pain, for some, there will have been sad news or bad news. For some, it will have been just another ordinary so-so kind of a week. For some, there will have been moments of wonder and delight. Praying for one another ought, so we tell ourselves, to be easy. But so often it's anything but... To pray for our own blessing feels improper. To pray for the blessing of others is tricky. What then do we pray for those we love? What then do we pray for ourselves? For love? For hope? For faith? Words fail. Ideas fall short. Triune God, community perfected, where intercession and response are wholly expressed. Take our muddled hopes and dreams 
our frail faith and our battered hope and weave of them something beautiful. Today we stand on the brink of a new week, a story yet untold, a journey that still awaits. As we set out to discover what it will bring, grant that we may be bearers of faith and hope and love in a world where it may seem that all are in short supply. We offer ourselves and our prayers in the name of Jesus. Amen. is love. In love we bring these gifts of money and ask that you help us to spend them with an attitude of love. So we offer them and we offer ourselves in the names of Christ. Amen. Love divine, all loves excelling, joy of heaven to earth come down.
place once again. Assure us of your accompaniment this day and every day. Mm-hmm.